It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. is the main event. Mark's podcast, now on the Unhinged Network. I am your first host, former radio guy, lifelong wrestling fan, and the father of six cats, Troy. And my co-host, he is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia and the main event collector. He is the Funaki to my Takamishinoku. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? Cool, I'm the better one for once. In what world is Funaki better than Taka? Was he not the number one announcer on SmackDown? Oh, for God's sake. Indeed. Sure. (laughs) I mean, he is still employed with WWE, I'll say that. It doesn't necessarily make it better, but sure. Why why are we arguing over which one of these guys sucked less? You started it. I just said my opinion, and you made it a thing, so. Yeah. Gosh. All right. Anyway. Uh, we're talking about Royal Rumble 2000 today, which kind of, I was like, and they do have a significant role. 
Yeah, Connie Ty was not booked on the show technically, but they are on the show for a uh, uh, a reason. I just, ah, man, this was. Uh, hey, hey, they have more entrances than anybody else on the show. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I no lies detected. I guess it just. Uh, wow. Yeah, we're gonna. They are not the focal point of the show. Thank God, though. Uh, Should be. Yeah, the focal point of the show is all about, you know, you and I talked about the year 2000 was kind of the year of the rock where, I mean, obviously he was a big deal before this and after this, but it seemed like well, he has. Let's also keep in mind that Austin was out most of 2002. So, well, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. And we actually have a news story about that. But, uh, yeah, the rock really was like the guy in 2000. He was the top babyface, and Triple H was the top heel, I'd say. And you got others mixed in there, obviously, with Big Show and whatnot, you know, going back and forth. But all in all, this was The Rock and Triple H's banner year. Do you acknowledge how lucky they were that they had The Rock when Austin went down? I know. Like yeah, they well, had another megastar waiting. When's that well, ever no. happened before or after? <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was people's argument with uh, like when Cena went down uh, in the past, and obviously he was he's superhuman, so you know they were like, oh, he's gonna be out a year, and he'd come back in like three months. But regardless, uh, you know, people would complain. It's like, well, when Cena's out, ratings go down because it's like, I mean, you got Orton, but he's not the guy. It's like, who else do you have? You know, obviously now they have Roman, but you know, at there for the longest time, it was Cena. He was it. I, I'd heard uh, multiple people say it's like Rock was great, but when Austin was gone and Rock took over, we were still kind of like, well, crap, Austin's gone. What do we do? Rock was the second guy. He wasn't the guy. And I think he played his part really well, and he eventually became the guy when it seemed like Austin was gone, but I don't know. However, 2000 had some good stuff, had some bad stuff, but it had some really good stuff. Obviously not on the WCW side. Two weeks ago, or no, last week, we talked about Sold Out 2000. This week is the WWF's effort, I think, a week or two later with a Royal Rumble. So, you ready to dive into news and notes? Uh, considering what this year was, I don't know if I'm ready, but go for it. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, news and notes. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. Now that we're back, before we get into all the news and notes, make sure you visit unhingedsn.com to hear us every Monday at 8 p.m. That's U-N-H-I-N-G-E-D-S-N.com. News and notes time for January of 2000. 
this first story, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, oh I was, man, I always love it when you preface it with that. I was I was really shocked, and it's like because I mean it's not like I followed this guy's short career, but it's just like wow. Uh, Bobby Duncan Jr. died this week at 34 mm. years old from a drug overdose. Uh, Duncan yeah. Jun- Jr. had been out of action for several months, recovering from surgery, and had been laid off, or excuse me, had been off of TV long enough that WCW barely felt the need to acknowledge his death. He leaves behind two kids and a wife with whom he was in the process of divorcing. Yikes. Yeah, 34. I mean, I remember just remembering, like, what the hell happened to him? Like, it was just, it was just Kurt Henning and, uh, was it Kendall Windham? They were the team? Yeah. Yeah, like, what happened to Bobby? Like, that was, a, you know, the West Texas Rednecks were a thing. Right, they were Pretty yeah. significant. They were all over TV. It's not like they were just, I mean, were they comedy? Yeah, but they were on heavily. I mean, if anybody goes back and listen, not that the, I mean, the show wasn't great. I thought we did a good job of reviewing it and made it entertaining. Uh, but we reviewed That's a very horrible ourselves, <laughs> right? We, uh, we reviewed uh, Road Wild '99, which was the last Road Wild ever because we were replaced with New Blood Rising this God. year, 2000. <laughs> and uh, uh, Bobby Duncan Jr. was on the show, so so that's August and then we're in January, <clears throat> so it's only a couple of months. Yeah, he got he got injured and literally killed himself within a you know a few months. That's man, I that's why it like hit me what reading the story because I'm like we just reviewed a show with him on it that was yeah, and it's you funny know, you say they this. didn't even acknowledge it because like I really don't remember them talking about it. I really don't. Yeah, but anyway, speaking of drugs, uh, it's a bad way to start the story, but I mean you'll see why. That is a bad segue, but yes, <laughs> Ian Rotten is starting back up his IWA promotion and will be running weekly hardcore shows in Charleston, Indiana. Rotten owns the new building that they'll be doing shows at, so he won't run into any more problems with anyone finding uh, venues uh, that will allow his Gorefest matches. Okay, time out. How the hell did he afford a venue like to keep, to buy? His Taco Bell money, I'm guessing. I don't know. People that don't get the reference, he worked at Taco Bell for the longest time until they found hey, out he had hepatitis and they fired the, him. The previous um, Impact Exhibition Champion works at GameStop, okay? So it's not that bad. Yeah, I know it's ECW, but it's like, dude, you're on TV for years, man, and now you're working at Taco Bell. You also run your own professional wrestling promotion. <sighs> and I know what we were just saying about you know, gore fest matches. And I, and I keep in mind, IWA is a freaking joke was, is, and forever will be a joke. So many people have had horror stories about Ian rotten backstage in the ring, etc., And his inability to pay people. I can't believe someone have a horror story about a guy named rotten. That just baffles my mind. It shocks me too. But regardless, yeah, this just, but it did have a lot of great stuff, like uh, CM Punk and Chris Hero had a lot of great matches there. I think Eddie Guerrero wrestled there uh, for a while. There, you know, it did have some good stuff. But it's like ECW; you have to dig through mountains of crap to find the good stuff. <laughs> I think. Oh, in, man. In his, I want to say in his best in the world documentary. CM Punk actually talks about like the epic matches he had with Chris Hero across the country for IWA. So, yeah, this was uh, man. Jim Cornette talked about this where he said, "I already uh, don't care." 
Well, I guess IWA ran shows in Kentucky until uh, they found out the crap that Ian Rotten was doing. They called him before a committee. You know, basically it was like, why should we not pull your license to run shows here in Kentucky? And according to Jim Cornette, which sounds very factual, like given, you know, Ian Rotten's track record. But he says Rotten basically cut a promo on the on the commission and they yanked his license and he went over to Indiana across the river and uh, started up over there instead. And Cornette said, because of Ian Rotten and his bullcrap, it was extremely hard for places like OVW, who actually did, you know, wrestling <laughs> to run shows in Kentucky. <sighs> to this day, they are one of the strictest athletic commissions in the entire country because of people like Ian Rotten. You want to hear about something else that uh, <laughs> that uh, just piles on the crap? Is he, can it get worse than this? Uh, maybe. The Insane Clown Posse's Juggalo Champion... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bleep this out. I'm going to have to. Insane Clown Posse's Juggalo Championship Wrestling will be released... And no, I didn't misspeak. It's spelled with a T, not a P. They will be releasing a video of the event that they held last month in Detroit. Raven, Balls Mahoney, Abdullah the Butcher, King Kong Bundy, Iron Sheik, and more all made appearances. You know, Man, the usual suspects. About, talk about asses in seats. Right. I heard Balls Mahoney and Abdullah the Butcher, man. I'm there. Uh, also on their website, ICP announced that Vampiro is planning to leave WCW to wrestle full-time for JCW, and they plan to self-finance the company and tour nationally with it. I just, um, that didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, Thank God. I, don't know, I don't know if they're still around. They eventually changed the name to Championship with a P wrestling. Oh, uh, but that saved it. Oh yeah. Well, it made it more marketable, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it made it more appealing to, to, uh, uh, you know, to investors. Uh, this just, who the hell would invest in that? Fago. <laughs> I, you remember, uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Netflix, you know, mailed out DVDs. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, I had that for a while or rather my parents did. And I was like, okay, I keep hearing about this. People keep, it's like, oh, it's funny. You got to listen to the commentary, you know, whatever, which was ICP using fake names on commentary. So I got one of the DVDs and I watched it. I didn't laugh once. I was like, this is complete garbage. It's not funny. It's just them making fun of their own product while it's happening. The fact that you had to hear it for yourself to know it was garbage is shocking to me. Oh, it's like, you know, the old school ECW shows in, you know, in, that people rave about. It's like, oh, OK, enough people play it up. I've at least got to see it for myself. It's like, ah, crap. I knew it was going to be crap. I just didn't know. There are some extent. things that I just I just know are going to be crap. Like, I don't like hearing, oh, this person said it, therefore I'm not going to watch it. I hate that. But right. Something tells me <laughs> people saying, hey, ICP on commentary is bad. I could take that to the bank. I kept hearing from multiple people, dude, ICP on commentary is the only good thing about the show. It's hilarious. I'm like, okay. Okay, that alone is a bad sign. That's the best thing about the show. Yeah, and uh, they were like, oh, it's funny. You got to hear it. And I don't know. You're ready to move on to the crap that was WCW? Am I? (laughs) Yeah. I I like your enthusiasm. (laughs) Am I? Uh, Uh, We've already reviewed the pay-per-view of this month, so I, I, I got a feeling I know where it's going. And there's more. 
How is it even remotely possible, you ask? Here we go. Yep. Well, the company remains in chaos this week. No. <laughs> like, I know this is audio. I, th- I, thought, I thought that pay-per-view would fix all their problems. Right, yeah. It, the savior of WCW <laughs> was sold out. Oh, man. Uh, I know this is audio and nobody can see me right now, but I'm doing the Kevin face from Home Alone right now. It just, <laughs> I, I'm shocked. Uh, but the company offered unconditional releases to Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, Shane Douglas, and Conan, which would free them up to start with the WWF as soon as uh, February 1st. So, uh, But they actually debut before February 1st, though. Yeah. So, wait, hold on, Greg. Are you telling me that Uncle Dave was ill-informed? I think the Red Rooster got it wrong, yes. Uh, false. Great. How, how dare you? <laughs> you? You should be flogged and walk naked through the streets with somebody yelling, shame, shame. Well, there's an image. <laughs> Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, and Saturn obviously did go to the WWF, as you said. Douglas and Conan actually remained in WCW, so yeah, that didn't that didn't happen. I don't. So they were granted releases and then said, "Never mind." I, so, apparently, Douglas was going, and then there's a whole thing on Pritchard's podcast. You listen to the Radicals episode. Yeah, well, he the, the thing was Pritchard just said that it was. I guess it all relied on the first four there bringing him along with them, and they didn't. And then, like, according to Pritchard, Douglas never reached out himself. So he didn't even, like, test the waters. And Conan, uh, I don't think he tested the waters either, because Pritchard said he didn't get a call until after WCW was fully shut down. So Well, apparently he called and said this is K-Dog, and he had no idea who the hell K-Dog was. Yeah, well, that yeah, and he said that, but if I remember the timeline correctly, he said that was after WCW was shut down. I thought it was at this time. Maybe it was. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. So, yeah, I don't know. It, whereas if you listen to Conan's rebuttal of that, he was like, what do you think of an effing Mark? I'm not going to call up and say, yo, 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 this is K-Dog, yo. And it's like, I don't know why, but I can see him doing that. <laughs> about to get rowdy, rowdy in his body, body. You know what I'm saying? Yo, put brother love on the phone. <laughs> I think Pritchard speaks fluent Spanish, too. So there's literally no excuse. I know. I just, Conan's, <laughs> Conan swears up at that. He was like, I called and I said who the hell I was. He's like, I think I even gave my legal name and he knows who I am by name. So he's like, there's no excuse. No, like no, that. No, this is Max Moon. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, Vince Russo also had a meeting with Bill Bush this week, making a series of demands. Uh, you know, because if there's one person who needs to make demands, <laughs> it's Vince Russo. Give him whatever but, he wants. We need him. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, if you guys hadn't listened to last week's episode, Bill Bush was not a part of the uh, beer-making family, Bush. So, And he was also not related to the guys who drive NASCAR. So, He either wants to be released from his contract, which still has nearly two years on it, or he wants to be given a job back as head booker with full control and not be forced to work alongside Kevin Sullivan or J.J. Dillon. He also demanded to be given another nine months to continue booking the show without interference from anyone else. When Russo was hired, he was basically told that he'd be given a year to run things around, but he just got the boot after three months, so he wants to get another nine months. <sighs> so it was so bad, they sent him home after three months into a two-year contract, I think they said. So, yikes. And he only started in, in October 99, by the way. Keep that in mind. 
Yeah, starting in October, he was gone. Man, gone forever, bro, by the end of December. So it was less than three months. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, because you pointed out he wasn't booking sold out. So I think well, maybe he was gone at the end of December. I don't, I don't know. even think he had a hand in Starcade, honestly. I don't know. I, I really don't. I Well, I, I know he was I, th- I think he went home right before sold out because there was that story we talked about last week where he wanted the vacant title to be decided in the battle royal with Tank Abbott winning the belt. So I don't know. OK, I, now I think, it makes all the sense in the world. Well, that's arcade suck then. OK, yeah. So he he got sent home after he pitched Tank Abbott and they said, that's it. We're done. <laughs> Man. That's bad. It's like you're like they hated that suggestion so bad. That was the final straw. And then they ended up having Tank Abbott in a match with Jerry Flynn. Yeah, at least it only went a minute and a half. So <laughs> there's that. Hey, if you want to hear about all that epicness, go back and listen to last week's episode. Uh, I won't I won't judge you if you don't, but please listen. Just have it on in the background. Give us a hit. Right. Man, that match sucked. <laughs> it was only a minute and a half. Uh, one of the big issues where Vince Russo and Kevin Sullivan clashed was over how they used Goldberg. Russo wanted to keep the title off of Goldberg for as long as possible, feeling that there's more money in him chasing the belt. Sullivan wanted to put the title on Goldberg immediately as soon as his arm heals and he can get back in the ring. Okay, first off, arm healing. Was this where he punched through the window of the uh, limo? Fairly certain, yes. Oh my gosh. Nobody nobody ever accused Goldberg of being a smart man. That was just I don't know, of all the money he's gotten over the years. Yeah, well he's well, you know why he got all that money, Greg? Because he hired the right guy. According to Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan was like, hey, you should use my agent. And <laughs> there you go. But, uh, yeah, so he, he was like, oh, my bat broke, so I'm going to punch through a window. Smart guy. But, yeah, so didn't he, like, tear tendons or damn near tear tendons or some crap like that? I know he messed uh, himself up. I heard he almost had to sever his whole arm. Yeah. Moron. But, yeah, so... I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about that? Because I mean, I can see the appeal of putting the title on Goldberg, but at the same time, I can't believe I'm saying this. Mark down the date. Uh, I kind of agree with Russo here. Like, I feel like there's more money in the chase of Goldberg going after it. I don't know. He was their biggest star. He was either way. Yeah. I mean, I don't. And considering the champ went, the title went to Sid, and I like Sid, but I I might have had to go with Sullivan on this one. Yeah. Only because they had no other option, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't disagree with putting the title on Goldberg. I think putting the title on Goldberg for a time was fine. Get it off of him by dubious circumstances and then give him a long chase. Like, have him keep getting screwed out of it and he keeps having to chase. Because, I mean, a lot didn't really matter at this point because they're about to have 47 champions this year. Oh, God, I know. You and I. Uh, in a previous podcast that we no longer do, kind of ran down. We did, we did a face-to-heel turn count, and we did yeah. a new champ count. I think we ended up with like 38 heel turns. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even lying with that number, by the way. Swerves, or, bro. Or 38 turns, not just heel, but either way. But yeah. 38. <laughs> and, then the, and then the title, the title counter I'm pretty was sure the number was. I'm pretty sure the number was 20. 26 title changes, world title changes. Yeah, it was pathetic. 
How do you think Booker T won his first title at Bash at the Beach? They closed down less than a year later, and he was a five-time champ by the time they shut down. To be fair, he was a four-time champ by the time they shut down. He won the fifth one in WWE uh, from Kurt Angle. Oh, really? Well, yeah, that's okay. <sighs> well, either way. Uh, Ric Flair has been talking about running for governor of North Carolina and has to make a final decision this week. Word is that he's leaning against it, despite a lot of mainstream news coverage talking about the possibility lately. A newspaper poll in Greensboro found that 25% of voters said that they would vote for him, while another poll in Charlotte was at 39%. Speaking of Flair, he once again asked for his release from WCW, pointing out that they freely released Benoit, Guerrero, etc. when they asked. But WCW shot it down, so Flair's still stuck. And he would be until they closed the doors. Don't worry, the Magnificent Seven's coming. They'll make him happy. <laughs> the what? That was the name of his group. The Magnificent Seven. Oh, I thought they were the Millionaires Club. That was, uh, that was before that, actually. Oh, for God's sake. How did they get away with using the... Well, Turner, I, Turner had to own that name. Or the film, or whatever. That's the only thing I can think of. <sighs> yeah, uh, Flair running for governor, man. Can, can you imagine those speeches? Was he already governor? Uh, yes. So that was why, probably? Okay. Yeah. Whatever he can do, I can do. Woo! Like, uh, no? Like, he, he, your political speeches can't involve you talking about your male genitalia. This intern's gonna ride Space Mountain. Yeah. We, I did not sleep with that intern. We were up. <laughs> All night. I think he makes a couple there, but. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, well, here's one for you, man. WCW brought back the Kiss Demon character at the Saturday night tapings. But this time, Dale Torborg was playing the role instead of Brian Adams. Oh, well, thank God. <laughs> uh, I would actually see a demon match the next month, I believe. You attended a WCW event in 2000? Yes, yeah, Super Brawl. Oh, my. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the famous skins match where Tank Abbott almost stabbed a man. How did you... What, no, Greg. He had scissors. It was threatening to cut his beard, which uh, he didn't that's, have. That's right. That's right. Yes. He mistake. threatened to cut a beardless man's beard. Oh, my gosh. Even though he literally leaned in and said, I will effing kill you. Do you remember what you thought watching that live, by the way, in person? Oh, uh, well, because of the seats I was in, I didn't see, like, the knife or anything. I didn't even know about that until I saw it on... Here's another throwback. Until I saw it on VHS months later. What the hell is VHS? Come on. What? It was this big, like, rectangular square with, like, film in it, and you can put it in a machine, and... Yeah. It shows, like, the event. It's weird. Throw it in your weird. Google machine. I don't know, man. What's what? What was better, Brian Adams as the Kiss Demon or in Chronic? I didn't hate Chronic, so I'll say Chronic. I liked the team. I did not like the concept, but yeah. Uh, this oh, one. Dude, they were smoking Jays. God. Last story at WCW here. Doctors have told Bret Hart to stay out of the ring for at least two months following his severe concussion at Starcade last month. He's still not even allowed to fly, so he hasn't been able to travel to TV tapings lately either. The plan for Super Brawl was Hart versus Sid Vicious for the WCW title, but they're clearly going to have to come up with something else now. 
What did they do? Hmm, was that the triple threat? That I got you were there. Last? I can't remember. <laughs> you, th- do I, you think I want to remember this crap? Yes. I remember the demon being in the main, the quote main event, and it was a second match on the card. I remember that because I kept going, "Why? How is this the main event?" Uh, hang on. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It was a three way dance. It was Jeff uh, Jarrett, Scott, Scott Hall, Jeff Jarrett. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, I, I remembered it before I pulled it up. So. Yeah. I remember, so, I was yeah. at. I was at. One, two, three. I was at four Super Brawls. So a lot of them run together. A lot of them run together. Uh, well, it, well, do you remember the James Brown appearance? Uh, yeah, I remember vividly thinking, or okay, first of all, I didn't know who he was really. Yeah, well, I'm like 15 here, so I mean, like, I'm aware of him, but I'm like, oh, that's just some guy being him, right? So, not was really him, yeah, right. But you can see yeah. why I would think that, <laughs> right? We're gonna have to talk about that show someday, just mostly because you were there. You attended a lot of crap <laughs> throughout the years, okay? In my defense, they put a lot of crap here, so like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you attended the Punjabi, pre- or no? You didn't. No, didn't no. I, I wish. <laughs> no, what was what was the one? Uh, House of Horrors. You attended. That was it. Yeah, I, I was apparently pissed off my mom because I took her with me to that. <laughs> yeah, they were like, "Happy Mother's Day, Mom." F you. <laughs> uh, the saddest part of Jericho's last title win in WWE. That was nice, though. So. Yeah, I'll say the the saddest part about this story is they don't know yet. Bret Hart's career is over. So, and if I'm correct, his last match ever was a clunker against Kevin Nash on Nitro. Oh, did did he have one more match? Oh, yeah, wait, he, no, that's he, right. Yeah. He continued to wrestle. I don't even so, think it was a match, though. I think it was like a just like a fight, something like that. Yeah, man, what a way to go out against against Kevin Nash. <laughs> hey, I like Nash. I do too. He was always one of my favorites, but again, he's never been accused of being a great wrestler. I, I mean, he's got the five moves of doom, you know, flipper punch, the hair flip. Uh, and, you know, and he he he, he has said if he if he were to add a six move of doom, it would be teabagging Jim Cornette. So uh, moving on to the WWF stuff here, we have a couple of stories. China will appear on the TV show Third Rock from the Sun very soon. And this is the most 2000 story I've ever read. <laughs> Isn't Third Rock from the Sun on a streaming service on HBO Max or something? It's on one of them, yeah. I feel like every show is on something now, so. Yeah. But anyway, uh, WWF New York, their restaurant in Times Square, had their big grand opening last week, and basically every star in the company was there. The band Sugar Ray also performed, the rock cut promos, etc. Man, I might have used that 2000, yeah. you know, the most 2000 story I ever I read. I was just thinking, I'm like, are you sure? Like, because you just said Sugar Ray. Right. Uh, well, you know, what better way to kick off the opening of your hot new restaurant in Times Square but to bring in Sugar Ray? Dude, you joke, but they were hot as hell in the 2000s, dude. I know, I was a big fan. They were good uh, musicians, too. <laughs> the hell. But yeah, we'll actually talk about WWF New York in the show. Uh, last story here. Steve Austin is already working out post-surgery and is running on a treadmill already. He's been told that he should make a full recovery, but... Uh, they told him that he'll need about six months to recover. Austin is hoping to be back in three months. Uh, not even close. Let's see. When, this, when, uh, eight months? Yeah. September. Oh, he came back in September? Mm-hmm. Okay. I couldn't remember exactly when he came back. I just knew it definitely wasn't three to six months. Well, he was back on TV in September. He didn't wrestle until October, so. Yeah. No. I, 
two, most of 2000, like we said, was Austinless. So they had to they had to learn to survive. I but anyway. think they were fine. <laughs> yeah, they did. A, I think they did okay. <laughs> it, it helped a little bit that they had zero competitions. So, hey, hey, hey! Let me say, it was still a thing. It was a. It, it was out there, but it was <laughs> not competitions. Let's be very clear about that. Well, let's take. I actually, our, might even argue that AEW is more competition right now than WWE was in two thousand. Well, yeah, I'm so, trying to be funny. <laughs> well, yeah, because AEW is not pulling in competition numbers, but they're pulling in at least WCW two thousand numbers. So, well, they're but, beating uh, consistently, beating AEW show. Right. Yeah, I I think I, I mean, think they've pretty much pulled away with that one. I just just like man, WCW was so bad. Absolutely, they were. But I think we're going to take our next break here. And when we come back, we're going to dive into WWF Royal Rumble 2000. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. Now that we're back, before we dive into the event at hand, make sure you visit unhingedsn.com to hear us every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's U-N-H-I-N-G-E-D-S-N.com. All right, WWF Royal Rumble 2000 from January 23rd, 2000. The tagline, The Road to WrestleMania Begins. The venue was Madison Square Garden in New York, New York, and the attendance was 19,231. Uh, but the buy rate was 1.58, which amounted to 590,000 buys. That's nuts. By so the way, once I again, did... Mick Foley kicks WCW's ass. <laughs> right. I uh, we'll get to that in a second. But they sold out MSG with a gate of over 1.14 million dollars, making it the sixth largest ever uh, in the U.S. Do they call it the Road WrestleMania? I missed that. Do they actually say that? Yeah, well, the tagline of the of the show is actually the road to WrestleMania begins. I, I want to so. say this is the first time ever they use that, at least Probably. as an official line, because I don't remember for '99, because it was all about no chance in hell in '99. <clears throat> Just right, maybe historic fun fact. Yeah, and they, and I, I really like the design. They go, they really go with the road thing because I mean the entranceway is yeah. a road, I, and I whichever, even like that. Sorry, okay. whichever road rumble they used in Detroit, I think it was like. Oh, nine, ten, one of those. The whole rampway was like a, a freeway, which I thought was really cool. I'll have to go back and check that out because I forget. The one where Rob Van Dam makes a surprise return. I remember that. So, ah, okay. Well, this one, I I thought it was a nice added touch where they even put a manhole cover, like, yeah, in the middle of the entryway. I freaking loved that. I was like, wow, just like a small the, detail. The nerd in me was getting like Ninja Turtle vibes. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's New <laughs> York. There's a cab. There's manholes. 
it would have been funny if somebody just like if if they made it like uh, there was like a couple inches under that and they just pulled up a manhole and dropped a piece of pizza under there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was it was really cool. They had like the taxi cab that you walked under in the entryway. That to they, this day, one of my top five top, in my top five of uh, favorite pay per view sets. By the way, yeah, they they were really limited with MSG. Like we talked about before, the old way the MSG looked, they were really limited with what they could do with it uh, as far as like the look and the setup and whatever. But they did a lot. I mean, we reviewed now in the archives uh, SummerSlam 98, where it was like it looked like you're walking through the gates of hell to get to the ring. They did a lot. The first time I remember them changing it up, though, because they always came out that one area uh, that they are coming out here, like out of the side. Mm-hmm. And hard and hard cam always faced it, which we'll talk about a little bit you know, on this show. And we talked about it last. My, week my favorite story about that yeah. is Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard hates it like with a yeah. passion. He loves well, the yeah, garden, but hates that. <laughs> yeah, because you can see people walking up and down the ramp all freaking night. Uh, people are walking in front of hard cam. It's it's horrible. Which and is a I, problem they had on the WCW show from the same month that we just reviewed. Right. And what was uh, what was the Royal Rumble? where Cena made his big return. That was 08. Okay. Yeah. And they, and I, I remember they came out this same area. So, you know, what's telling me about that? What, what was telling to me about that too, is like, they gave up on the guardrails. If you notice, because when the fans are celebrating, there's like those little things holding them back that you would see in like a line at a bank, those little uh, retractable things. Yeah. Yeah. Like go, if <laughs> wow. you want to go back and watch it, you can see the front row uh, on the, on the entrance way. Is held back by those. Wow, yeah, I, I just thought that it, was funny. They must have switched it back and forth because I remember WrestleMania 20 was the first time I saw them not use that area, and they managed to get a, a legitimate stage and ramp on the other yeah, side. I remember seeing that, thinking, "Man, they probably gave up a lot of seats for that, though." I'm sure they did. I think that's why they always use that one area that you know, I mean they're using on this show. Getting back to the the show here, though, like the opening package even said, like like you pointed out, we've talked about that Mick Foley does not get enough credit uh, with his hand in all of, you know, the Monday Night Wars. It seemed like he was always doing something pretty significant. Well, yeah, I, I like pointing out. Ass. I like pointing out the first time they beat Night Show, you know, he got involved in the Austin McMahon match. The the thing that turned the tide for them was the finger poke of doom. The night fully won the title. <laughs> so right. it's like every significant moment that, and he, he was on the last show, I believe too. I believe he's on the, the nitro, the last nitro raw Monday, not doing anything, but he was on there. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of Foley that people brush over. you know, they talk about undertaker, Austin rock, you know, which, and McMahon, which, you know, were huge parts of it, but people don't give Foley his due. I think it's a shame yeah. too. Cause, you know, we met him at WrestleCon. Well, kind of. He's genuinely just the nicest yeah. dude in the world. Like, remember? Yeah. Do you remember when we were there? Real quick, not to digress, but he actually uh, held a ring for the guy to propose to the woman. Remember, and they were all celebrating. Do you remember that? Uh, I, I think I you might have been lying to see Christian. Yeah, I yeah, because I don't remember seeing Foley. I think you did. You because you went off. And you were seeing other people, and I was in a couple of lines. Yeah, and then I got a, and then I said, "Screw it, I want to meet Christian too." And and he <laughs> gave me cuts. And <laughs> right, yeah, uh, yeah. So that was 
Yeah, I, but yeah, it was pretty cool though. He held the ring for the guy and proposed to her, and then he gave him free autographs and stuff. And wow, that's like, nice. I can't think of a more markish way, and we're the main event marks, and I can't think of a more markish way to propose than yeah, that right? freaking. <laughs> that room was like stuffy and smelled like ass. That's only because <laughs> it's just... of the bushwhacker who didn't wipe his hands or oh, his hands after wiped his ass. But anyways, that was one big reason. That's got to be a that's got to be a weekly thing on our show, by the way. <laughs> I think I found it. <laughs> even, even, even when Corona is not such a worry anymore, never shake a bushwhacker's hand ever. Lord. The opening package is highlights of the Triple H Cactus Jack feud with clips of Foley's death matches over in Japan. Uh, we'll obviously talk more about this How before they the get actual that match. Footage, I always wondered. Yeah, they must have paid Onita or, or whoever the hell was in, <laughs> was owning that at the time. Uh, but Kurt Angle starts off the show with a promo crapping on the New York Knicks. I just like. <laughs> I noticed that was like mostly in WWE was like the heel thing. They were like, oh, crap on the local team. Yeah, they still do it. Baron Corbin does it whenever he can't. Well, not now, obviously, but he did it whenever he could. Right. But my yeah. favorite part of that promo goes, if I was to wait around for the Knicks to win something with Patrick Ewing, we'd probably be waiting forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, I know I, you don't know basketball much, but seriously, they're uh, I can say this now because it's it's okay now. They're like the Cleveland Browns. Like, they're very beloved, but man, they stink. Uh, but I can see vendors walking right in front of Hard Cam. He's trying to sell cotton candy. Did yeah. you catch off this during this? I this did time? not. Yeah, I, right see quite a few, I, I see quite a few later. I don't see that at this moment. Well, uh, Kirk then says that he knows his mystery opponent is nervous about facing an undefeated American hero and says to remember his three eyes. I, I remember when he was doing the three eyes gimmick. <laughs> My dad hated eyes? it. Wasn't it uh, intensity, integrity, and intelligence? Yes. Yeah. <sighs> I have a jack figure of this Kurt is, Angle. Is that not a message you want to send your kid, though? I mean, come on. It, it is, but it's like so pompous. <laughs> he knew it, though. Uh, uh, the lights then drop, the heart monitor beeps, and Taz makes his WWF debut, with a, and the crowd absolutely loses their minds. Boy, we did they get, save this for the right arena or what? Oh, yeah, man. They freaking lost their crap, and Taz said he was, like, super emotional during this time. And he said he even, like, talked to Paul Heyman before the match, and Paul wished him well and everything. And said he, he deserved did. He was it. still getting the checks from Vince. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, this was... Uh, and oddly enough, Taz would go back to ECW for a one-shot after this. So, Technically no, a two-shot, actually. No, no, that's right, yeah, because he dropped the title mm-hmm. after he won it. Weird. But anyway, it's Kurt Angle versus Taz. This went for 3 minutes, 16 seconds. These guys have a good, hard-hitting match with tons of suplexes. I know, shocker. Uh, Taz locks into Taz Mission and wins via Kurt passing out. King keeps screaming about how the Taz mission is an illegal chokehold. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Dave thinks that these two should have gotten more time, but he still gave it two stars. I did as well. What say you? Uh, the mark in me is like, man, this is five stars. Like, I loved it. But like the realist, two stars. Yeah. But I remember watching this when it happened and I, I was aware of Taz and I did lose it when he came out. So I think he... Uh, I think he should have went further in WWE, but that's, you know, this different discussion. They were calling it, they weren't calling it anything at this point. They just called it a chokehold. 
Uh, I can't remember when they officially name it the Taz mission, but I assume they. I want to say it- it's the next night because Jim Ross says he, we've been told it's called the Taz mission. So, yeah, I assume they named it that one for marketing purposes and two because uh, Kata Hajime is a little difficult <laughs> to remember and spell. So, because if you remember, in, legal show. in ECW, it doesn't have a name. He just calls it the Kata Hajime. Yeah, and Joey so, Styles can say it ten times fast without flubbing it. It's crazy. I I know. It's like, man, that I assume I assume they told Jim Ross it's called the Katahajime. He's like, yeah, I'm not saying that. What's his name, Taz? It's a submission, right? Taz yeah. mission. There, boom. Yeah, right. Give me my percentage of the cut from the shirts. <laughs> uh, I they quickly like changed him like big time as far as like. Not like major things, but they give him a new name for his finisher, and he doesn't do the survive if I let you thing anymore. It's, you know, they change yeah. it to the mood is about to change. Uh, one thing I noticed too was they obviously took the singlet off and put him in that suit that it looked like a jumpsuit, oh. like a work suit. Yeah. Like on a car or something. It was, yeah, where he, he wore like, uh, he wore like track pants and then like a button up shirt that he ripped the sleeves out of. I remember that. And sometimes he would wrestle in like a t-shirt or something. I believe he wrestled why. like that at WrestleMania. His last at Wrestle, uh, WrestleMania 17. Yeah. I don't know why they changed him up so much. It's like, I thought the survive, the survive if I let you thing was like over huge in ECW. I mean, cause people knew it was coming and they'd repeat it. The, uh, the mood is about to change. Didn't exactly get over. But hey, it was that's because it, it didn't come out of a box. Wow. Uh, but Kurt Angle won't wake up after the match, and the em- the EMTs come down and stretch him out. I don't remember any of this. I thought it was a really good touch. On the network, let me ask you another question. Did they show the thing backstage of the doctor doing the test they, on him? They did, yes. Okay. Because I only ask, because on the DVD, it's labeled as a DVD exclusive. So, uh, Yeah, they, they actually have gone through to a lot of Attitude Era stuff. Because if anybody goes back and watches uh, SummerSlam '98, which uh, you know is in the archives, they have a couple of network exclusives on there or uh, DVD oh, exclusives, okay. whatever, on there as well. There's one where <laughs> they're walking through before the main event. Uh, I think it was uh, yeah, it was after the ladder match. Uh, the, they're following the Rock in the back, and you hear Bruce Pritchard yelling, "Taker, where's Taker? <laughs> we need to find Taker." And I'm like, "Holy Didn't crap, he know dude!" Was out on their show. He was like pissed because no one knew where he was. Yeah, on his so. podcast. I feel like I remember him saying that. Yeah. What was with them? And like people weren't ready at Gorilla when they were supposed to be. Uh, well, Michael Cole is backstage with the Hardy Boys and Terry Reynolds. This was after the Hardys won the TIT, Terry Invitational Tournament, which means <laughs> I like how they had a whole tournament to determine that Terry was going to be somebody's manager. Like, why is like, don't get me wrong. I mean, look at her. She's a prize like that. But it's like, why was her as your manager such a prize? Because she led Goldust to success? Sure. (laughs) Uh, But Terry starts talking about how she's going to be going out to the ring for the match and whatever with the Hardys. And the Hardys say that it's going to be too dangerous and extreme out there. So they won't allow Terry to come out to the ring with them. Did you catch the one part that they said where he said we're not even supposed to be in the WWE? What the hell does that mean? uh, I'm assuming that, you know, they're... 
small, good-looking, uh, high-flying guys that you know Vince usually passed on in the past. I, it's the only thing I can think of. I mean, like Jericho, they always said it's like, ah, Jericho wasn't even supposed to be a big name in the WWE, and he like smashed through the, the glass ceiling for himself. I don't know, that's the only thing I can think of. God, please keep that up with Adam Cole. Anyways, go on. Great. Uh, but up next, we get uh, the Dudley boys coming out to the ring first. And they cut a promo before the match where Bubba is still kind of doing his stuttering gimmick, although you can tell he's losing it. And it's he's about saying, to end. I don't know what of all the ECW tropes of theirs that you can bring back. Why that one? I don't understand. Well, okay, it's the Attitude Era. I mean, obviously they wouldn't do it today for obvious reasons. I'm like, man, you and I was like, that's messed up. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, I thought he really had the, the stutter. Okay. So, yeah. So, like, okay. In that respect, it's actually cool that they let him on TV. <laughs> then I found out it's not. I'm like, that's pretty messed up. Well, he, I don't know. Yeah. He, he did the stuttering gimmick for a while in ECW. And then he had point. he, he had talked about it in interviews. He was like, yeah, I hadn't done the stuttering gimmick in like two or three years. <laughs> And suddenly I get to the WWF and they're like, oh, you're going to stutter. And I'm like, why? Like, nobody even remembers that. They're like, yeah, clearly someone cool. did. Yeah. Ugh. Thank God hey, this didn't last. Not, not, to, not to defend it, but it was part of what helped them you know, be a thing in WWE. So, you know, yeah. it served a purpose, like it or not. Yeah. But, yeah, he says that his new hero is John Rocker. Go Google yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I specifically remember you and I talking about Vince Russo later this year, I believe, cut a promo on John Rocker in New York saying that uh, if he ever sees him, he's going to kill him or something like that. Because <laughs> what team did he play for? The Braves, I believe. Oh, yeah. He played for the Braves. And what was it? The Indians? Talking... Uh, it was it one was, of those. I believe it was the Braves. And that's why it was such a, I think it was a big thing in Atlanta, you know, when he did, because weren't they talking about tra possibly trading him to the Yankees? And that's when he went off on that promo. Yeah, basically. something about being on a subway and sitting next to somebody that has AIDS and any racist terms for Indian folks, I believe. And Yeah, he went off, like, talking about, like, mothers, like, uh. Mothers having kids out of wedlock with, you know, whatever and sleeping. Around. Okay, let's be honest. That's probably the least of the things he said. It is, but that's just, you know, that's another thing. And, you know, just just completely crapping on New York. I'm like, if you're a, just going to say that, you can just throw off as, you know, you you have your moral values. That's fine. Whatever. But yeah. When racist, I'm like, wow, dude. That's Yeah, he went off on everybody and everything and just buried New York in every way imaginable. And it was, and yeah. I, I have it on good authority that. Jim Cornette loved that. Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> he came out of a box on the baseball field. The batter's box. New York sucks. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he says that John Rocker should be the new mayor of New York. And this all ends with Bubba telling the Hardys to put their heads between their legs and kiss their asses goodbye. This was like... Hell of a vision or visual. <laughs> He was trying. He was trying to do the old ECW, like you know, cutting his, cutting like a promo, crapping on everybody before the match thing. But he obviously toned it way down. <laughs> Go back now in the archives. Heat Wave ninety nine. Go check it out. <laughs> 
this match is a tag team tables match. The Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys. It went for about ten and a half minutes. Tables, ladders, and chairs are all used. Matt uh, gets eliminated when the Dudleys pop a table, or excuse me, prop up a table on the steel steps in the ring, and then Bubba hits a top row power bomb through it. But the rules of the match are: even though he's eliminated, he doesn't have to leave. He's still in the match. He just doesn't have to get put through another table. So got that either. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, weird. But the match ends with Jeff nailing Bubba with a chair, knocking him off of the arena balcony. What you were talking about, you sat on top of. Uh, He falls off of that through a table in the entryway. And then Matt lays Devon on another table in the entryway. And Jeff does that famous jump off the balcony for a swanton bomb through the table. This is awesome. Guarantee everyone's seen that famous one because they played it in every highlight package ever. (laughs) Yep, that one and the one where he comes off the giant ladder. And on, literally on breaks entryway. his ass. Yes. <laughs> That's sad. Uh, this one, Uncle Dave gave it three and one-fourth stars. I gave it an even three stars. What say you? Okay, for I judge this as a table match. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep that in mind. So I'm going to say it was like four stars for a table match. Yeah, I mean, it was really entertaining. Yeah. These guys never had a bad match with each other. No, and their best one is eight months away? Seven months. Seven months. Yeah. I mean, at WrestleMania 2000, they would have a really great one. Uh, probably the best match on the card. And Well, not probably. It is the best match on the card. But I disagree. Uh, there is one better, but we won't get into that. Oh, okay. What was it to you? The the triple threat with Jericho and Ben Moore and Angle. Oh, okay. Never mind. You're right. <laughs> that one was the best one on the card. <laughs> this is the second best. Here's where we see Kurt Angle backstage being checked up on by the EMTs. Kurt keeps asking if he won. When he's told that he was choked out, he says, chokes are illegal, so I'm still undefeated. So, I like yeah. that he was saying, right? Right? Like, like, like the EMT's going to you know, verify it. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's like, I don't know about that. I'm just checking you out. <laughs> he's like, you were choked out. He's like, yeah, but I won, right? He's like, I don't know anything about that. Uh, but, I mean, I, I thought the, the conversation seemed legit. Like something that, you know, like the Very, EMT was, I was like, yeah, insanely legit. Yeah. Cause EMTs would respond in a way like that. So where do you get an EMT like that? Uh, I'm assuming EMTs are us, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. We get this now. We're introduced to our bikini contest judges, Sergeant Slaughter, <sighs> Tony Gurria, the fabulous Mula, Johnny V and classy Freddie Blassie. The master of ceremonies is Jerry the King Lawler. Because we then of get it. Yeah, got to get the most pervy guy in the entire world to do this. The participants are Ivory, who makes it very well known that she does not want to be doing this. Terry Reynolds, Jacqueline, Barbara Bush, I, not not the uh, politician's wife, the president's I'm pretty wife. Pretty sure whatever. former wife of Bob Hawley. Oh well, lucky him. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember Barbara Bush at all. They just called her BB. Yeah. And then uh, Luna, who is no longer Luna Vachon, just Luna. And WWF Women's Champion, The Cat, which was a, it just like, that's an embarrassment to that title. But regardless. Let's be real. That's not the biggest embarrassment of that title, but embarrassment, no. yes. Uh, Andy Richter from the Conan O'Brien show is now introduced as the special guest judge. I was like, of all the people, you're like, Andy Richter. <laughs> you couldn't just get Conan? 
<laughs> yeah, uh, maybe Conan's not that big of a perv. I, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, if you're going to get Andy Richter, you might as well bring in the masturbating bear. I mean, come on. This is the perfect place for him. Holy crap. Vince Russo would have. Right. Yeah, he probably he probably would have pushed for it. Bro, we got to the masturbating and bear. pushed him. <laughs> right. He's going to win the hardcore title, bro. Uh, hardcore after, bear doing hard watching hardcore porn going to win the hardcore title, bro. <laughs> hardcore masturbating bear. <laughs> but everyone after everyone drops their robes to reveal themselves, Mae Young comes out in a pink robe to say that the contest isn't over yet because she's in it. She tells the king that everyone wants to see her puppies. <sighs> and uh she disrobes. She and then she starts dancing around. She's in like a uh, one piece, uh, like bathing suit thing. JR's commentary, I'd said, is the best thing about this entire segment. He is hilarious. Uh, May then decides she's going to get naked, and the king acts like he's witnessing his own mother being brutally murdered in front of him. <laughs> <sighs> I don't have much to add to this because I skipped this, honestly. Because honestly, on the, DVD, <laughs> on the DVD, full disclosure, it's not censored. No, it's not. I've seen it. And I was like, mother, I was not prepared for this. I'm not watching this. this. Yeah. No, I was not prepared for that. It's obviously censored on the network. They're not going to show nudity. But, like, the king, like, cowers in the corner. He's like, ah, ah, ah. I'm like, holy crap, dude. Uh, <sighs> I, Ivory acts incredibly disgusted as well. Uh, Mark Henry runs out to cover up May Young. And the judges rule that May won the contest. Because <laughs> what happens after they rule she won? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What is she, if I remember like, correctly, she goes to celebrate and happens again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, she gets naked again. Mark, Mark Henry's covering her up like, no, oh, I don't want anybody else to see your puppies. Like, uh, we don't want to see it either, Mark. I got a freak. <sighs> yeah. We then switch. I thought we're judging. The, we then switch to WWF New York. Where Jonathan Coachman is being is uh, being pushed and pulled around by various New Yorkers, he seems super annoyed at this. By the way, because he can't really do anything other than stand there and take it. Which you like this was his debut, by the way. And he even lets us because they introduce him as Jonathan Coachman, but he punches home that when he when he signs off, he says the coach. So he's letting us know that's his nickname. Uh, we go backstage where China and Chris Jericho are arguing over who will wear the Intercontinental title to the ring until Dave Hebner rushes in and takes the title and says it will be at ringside. This was when they were co-champions. I I can't remember what happened here. I know they pinned. They pinned people. each other. Okay. Good Lord. This Why was... that doesn't become a draw and it just goes to the champion, I don't know. Yeah. Because, you know, logic. Uh, Chris Jericho cuts promo before the match, saying Jericho-holics will have a huge celebration when he wins the Intercontinental title. This match is China versus Chris Jericho versus Hardcore Holly in a triple threat for the Intercontinental title. Goes for seven and a half minutes. I said this match would have been five times better without China. China eventually locks in a Boston Crab on Hardcore Holly, but Jericho hits China with a face buster out of it, nails a lion salt, and pins her for the win. Uncle Dave gave it one and one for a star. I gave it two stars for below average. What say you? I wanted to give it one. But was like, oh, I was kind of entertained. I'll give it two. But man, this match was not good. Oh, no. he, since he's in it, whole thing sucked. 
whole thing sick. Jericho, Jericho tried. Holly tried. Man, China wasn't good, man. Like as a kid, I didn't really pay attention. I, you know, I was like, whatever, you know. But like looking back on it, like, dude, you really were not good enough to be in the ring with people like Chris Jericho and Hardcore Holly. Like in no universe was she good enough. And I'm not trying to crap on somebody who's dead, but it's just like they should have put their foot down with her. It's like, no. Yeah, right. Uh, Michael Cole is standing by with a rock backstage to talk about the Royal Rumble match. The rock says that the two superstars he's most concerned about in the match are Crash <laughs> Holly. Yeah. Or Crash Holly and Headbanger Mosh. Cole Dude, asks, I knew that was coming, and I swear I still laughed my ass off when I watched it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that jersey he's wearing, by the way. I do, too. Could we just acknowledge, by the way, how much he just, like, completely buried the hell out of both those guys? <laughs> he did that a lot back then. Like, him and Triple H were, like, the masters of completely burying the crap out of people. Well, well what he did in the ring rocked it in the mic. I don't think he gets enough <laughs> for that. Let's remember that. Uh, Cole asks if The Rock should be more concerned with the big show, leading The Rock to shove him away and take the microphone. And, he's, and he proceeds to layeth the verbal smackdown on the big show. This was some good stuff. This was when, I mean, the big show had popped up, what, February of the previous year? Yeah. Yeah, so he was still, you know, uh, <laughs> sorry to, you know, for a, well, sorry for a pun here, but he was still a big deal. And uh, Bonafide Main Eventer was, not to spoil anything, but he's about the main event WrestleMania, so... Well, he was in the main event of WrestleMania, I'll say that. Right. <laughs> we get a video package now about how the New Age Outlaws and the Acolytes have been beating the hell out of each other for weeks on Raw is War and SmackDown. Uh, so we get the New Age Outlaws defending the WWF Tag Team titles against the Acolytes of Farouk and Bradshaw. This was, when did they officially become the APA? Uh, I'm going to say it's like right after this, right around this period. They might already be doing it. Yeah, because they're it's after basic- the Undertaker leaves. So, yeah, because they're basically the APA already, but they're not the. I mean, they're not really. They're they're still calling themselves just the Acolytes. Uh, but you know, and and you know what the APA does, Greg? They're always pounding ass. Oh my god, <laughs> that was a real shirt. <laughs> uh, that's like a highly regrettable catchphrase. <laughs> oh, they couldn't man. say whooping or what? I know it's like always pounding ass. Like you know, it it, it had the same meaning in two thousand as it does now. <laughs> Maybe that was the point. I don't know. But this went for uh, two and a half minutes. For some reason, yes, two and a half minutes. I didn't stutter. For some reason, Billy Gunn is wearing see-through pink trunks, so you can see his dong. God, uh, the acolytes jumped the outlaws right away and beat him up. Bradshaw hits a clothesline from hell on Billy. Farouk hits the 110th Street Slam on Road Dog. Then Billy pulls Tim White out of the ring before he can make the three count. That's not wise. Uh, I don't know. It's very wise. He stopped the count. Uh, Bradshaw hits Billy with a er, hits Billy and bumps the ref. This allows X Pac to run in and take out Bradshaw. Farouk takes out X Pac with a spinebuster, and then Billy hits the Fame Asser, real name, on Bradshaw for the win. That was basically the whole match right there. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this a dud, but I gave it two stars. What say you? Two stars? It was an entertaining two and a half minutes. I might give it one and a half. I don't know. What say you? One. Did you they, hate it? I think they, yes, I hated it. I think they do way better stuff, actually, in the Rumble match itself. 
Yeah. It was clearly a, the acolytes were not paid by the hour tonight because we'll get to it in the rumble, but it's just my God. But here's what we're all here to see besides the rumble match itself, man. We get a video package of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon taking over the WWF. They fire mankind on Raw is War, and then they mock an impersonator of mankind on SmackDown. After that, the entire roster threatens to walk out if they don't hire McFoley back. Okay, Triple first H- of all, it was a pink slip on a pole. They didn't fire him. He just didn't keep his job. Uh, second of all, I believe that mankind imposter was Naked Median. Just got to point that out. Good grief. Speaking of which, I almost sent you a picture. Uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. posed with... Uh, clothed Midian at, uh, That's at so fun. recently. Yeah, it took me a minute. I was like, what the hell is that guy? He looks really familiar because he's bald with a goatee now. And I'm like, oh, that's non-naked Midian. <laughs> that's his new name, non-naked Midian. But anyway. And yes, by the way, there was a something on a pole match post-Russo. Just got to point that out, too. Hell yeah. Uh, Triple H hires Mankind back and he grants him a WWF title match at the Royal Rumble for beating the tar out of him and just making him a bloody mess. Mankind then says that uh, Mankind is not ready to face Triple H in a street fight, but Cactus Jack is. He then proceeds to beat the crap out of Triple H. This, by the way, I I was today years old when I noticed this. This is the second time that Triple H has brought Cactus Jack to the WWF. Both times in Madison Square Garden, too. I know. Isn't this weird? Like, I never thought about that before. I'm like... Both times, like mankind or uh, Mick Foley was like, mankind isn't ready for you, but Cactus Jack is. Well, the first <laughs> but, time it was, do love wasn't ready. Oh, okay. Uh, but ne- but neither was mankind because he was in that promo. So they were like, well, we know somebody who's uh, you know, who who can uh, go toe to toe with you. But this was a street fight for the WWF Heavyweight Championship of the World. Triple H defends against Cactus Jack. It went for just shy of twenty-seven minutes. Uh, they brawl into the crowd up the aisle. Triple H gets thrown into a pile of bricks laying there in the alleyway of the the aisle, which, again, I thought was a great little touch, along with the graffiti. Uh, and Cactus Jack suplexes Triple H onto, the, onto a wood pallet. This splits Triple H's calf open. They did not put the... I, I remember this from the either the VHS or DVD, one of the two. Uh, but they did not put this on the network. But they actually show him like laying on his stomach watching the Rumble match while getting his legs sewed up in the back. Yeah, and was... begging someone to go tell his parents he's okay. That was on the oh. DVD. Oh, I didn't. I forgot about that part. I just remember him watching the Rumble while he's getting sewed up. I was like, ugh. And like, because I didn't realize where he got split open, but he's like talking about it. Uh, but Triple H pulls out a barbed wire wrapped two by four and beats a crap out of Cactus Jack with it. Am I the one? Am I the only one surprised that Triple H introduced that into the match? Kind of, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Jack beats up the Spanish commentators for reasons, I guess, because he's crazy. Uh, Triple H bumps the ref, and Jack beats up Triple H with the barbed wire two by four. Now busting him wide open. The ref wakes up to count a near fall, but Jack continues to tear Triple H apart with the bat, or excuse me, t- uh, barbed wire two by four. Uh, Triple H eventually handcuffs Cactus Jack's hands behind his back and beats him up. I said, you know, it's so pathetic that they're ripping off a clearly superior show in Sold Out 2000 for Terry Funk handcuffed Crowbar. <laughs> oh uh, I'm sorry. For that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. 
they make reference to, you know, this was a repeat from the previous Royal Rumble where The Rock handcuffed Mankind and mercilessly just pounded the hell out of his head with a chair. Uh, in the entryway, The Rock comes down and blasts Triple H with a chair. Both men are down and a cop unlocks Cactus Jack's handcuffs. I thought that was a cool touch. Mankind introduces a bag of thumbtacks into the ring, because of course he does, as Stephanie McMahon comes down to distract Jack. Triple H back body drops Cactus into the tacks, and then pedigrees him for a near fall. Uh, I forgot the ending of this match, so I was like, oh wow, that wasn't it. Uh, Triple H then hits a pedigree into the thumbtacks for the win. I said for a hardcore style match, this is pretty much perfect. Uh, Uncle Dave said that this was a legit match of the year candidate and probably should have closed the show. He gave it four and a half stars. I gave it five stars. What say you? I as well gave it five stars. thought this was amazing. This is They have another five-star that... match the next month, by the way, too. Just It's crazy. Was that the Hell in a Cell? Yeah. I'm going mixed up. Okay. I got to go back and watch that one because I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen that one, actually. I've seen clips of it. I don't know if I've ever watched the full match start to finish. But yeah, man, this was just fantastic. It was, this was a master class in how to have a wrestling match that's also a hardcore match and make it really damn good. Well, it wasn't all about weapons, you know? It's like, and right. just like the sake of busting people open. Well, they were wrestling each other, but they were also using weapons to enhance the wrestling and making it brutal at the same time. There was tons of blood, tons of violence, but they're also really good wrestlers. It wasn't just like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. one thing, you know, not to talk about today's stuff, but like they were calling that, 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 uh, parking lot brawl, the best street fight, whatever, ever like match ever. Oh it's yeah. Like, best are parking you, lot brawl are of you, all time. well, they call it the best, like a hardcore style because the best uh, parking lot brawl doesn't, that does not cover a lot of ground. That would be yeah. like, oh, whatever. I'm like, are you serious right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This right here is the best one ever. I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought that was really good. But yeah, no, this is this was great. It had everything it needed. Uh, Triple H gets stretchered out of the arena. The Cactus Jack follows him to the back and stretchered uh, and uh, stretchers Triple H back to the ring, dumping him out and beating him up some more. And then blasts Triple H in the head with a barbed wire two by four and glares at Stephanie McMahon. That was awesome. And it was like, man, uh, Cactus got his heat back after that one, man. I remember being really on the fence with this, who I wanted to win. Yeah. Was, I'm obviously a huge Triple H fan, but I love Cactus Jack. And obviously this was like years later when Mankind, or uh, Mick Foley rather, was well past his prime. But um, I thought him and Orton had a really good hardcore match, but... I feel like they were trying to do something similar to this, and it just, I mean, it, there was no possible way it could have lived up to this. No way. So Orton was really young. Uh, Cactus was, well, like I said, over the really hill. Old. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was really good. It just wasn't this. Nothing, I, I don't know. This is probably my favorite hardcore match of all time. And they weren't using weapons to hide anything. Like Sandman uses weapons because he can't wrestle. You know, I don't know. I would have used uh, New Jack as the ex- as the example. But. I mean, that too. Uh, we go back to WWF New York, where Jonathan Coachman is standing by with WWF CEO Linda McMahon. She says things with Triple H and the WWF title will be handled, quote, the McMahon way. Yes, with a McMahon in every corner. But 
we'll get to that. Now, uh, they they say, and there's even promotional material uh, showing Chris Jericho in place of Mick Foley. But apparently they decided at the last minute, we'd rather have Foley instead of Jericho. We don't know if he's a big enough star yet. So they swapped him out. Which, I mean, I think Jericho would have made the match better. But at the same time... No, I wouldn't I, have. That match was horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to disagree. That, and I, I'm a huge Jericho fan. But it's kind of hard to disagree that Mick Foley was the bigger star at the time. So, I don't know. Just my opinion. But... Either way, uh, let's take our second-to-last break here. When we come back, it's the 30-man Royal Rumble match. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. No one really tries to be unsafe online. Enter a dress for free tater tots. But every time you give up info and privacy... So I gave your birth date for free parking. That's how I got this robe. You may give up some safety, too. Norton 360 with LifeLock has device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection, all in one. No one can prevent all cybercrime or identity theft, but you can save 25% or more off your first year. Opt into cyber safety at norton.com slash news. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, main event time. It's a 30 man Royal Rumble match. This went for 51 minutes, 49 seconds. Uh, D'Lo Brown is number one, and Grandmaster Sex A is number two. Here's the show you were you always quote because Jerry Lawler says uh, he, he was talking about Grandmaster Sex A. He said, I thought he was luckier than this. And JR <laughs> says, Greg's favorite line of well, I heard he had a bad break at birth, but that's just a rumor. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. Someone in the front row on hard cam has a sign that says, Tom is gay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how did that not even get blurred? I mean, like, I know. They don't edit anything. I mean, they edit some things, but they don't edit a whole lot on the network. They kind of just let it fly, which I personally love. But this sign would not even get into the building today. I mean, if people were allowed in the building, you know what I mean. Who's Tom, by the way? Is it the is that the guy from? He uh, knew. From, from, what's that called before Facebook? What was that? Uh... Oh, MySpace. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. Is that his name, Tom? Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, people always do that. Like when Mark Zuckerberg does something stupid, they're like, you know what? We never got this kind of crap from Tom. <laughs> oh man. The Rock's most feared adversary, Headbanger Mosh, is number three. And he comes out with fuzzy cones on his <sighs> chest, like Madonna. This is the one I wish Mattel would make a lead of. Oh, well, yeah. But kind like of... I like I'll even joke. Hey, The Rock picked this guy to win the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> was this before or after Beaver Cleavage? This was uh, after. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kai and Ty rushes down and gets beat up. Christian is number four with a huge ovation. 
I was shocked about that one. Apparently, he was getting over. Oh, they were still like huge faces until uh, until Sunday Night Heat of WrestleMania 16. So there you go. Wow. Uh, the fans blow for number five, Rikishi, who eliminates Mosh, Christian, and D'Lo. Scotty Two Hotties number six, and Too Cool convinces Rikishi to have a dance break with them before Rikishi eliminates them both before dancing again. The camera makes sure to zoom in on Rikishi's ass, by the way. I don't know if you caught that one. Yeah. Number seven, Steve Blackman is next. Rikishi tosses him before number eight, Viscera, comes out. Uh, after three super kicks, Rikishi finally eliminates Viscera before Big Boss Man comes out number nine. Uh, he sits outside until he's jumped by number 10, Test, who the crowd explodes for. That one shocked me because I didn't remember him being that over. Uh, the British Bulldogs, number 11. Uh, Gangrel is number 12. I, I guess, this, by the way, the significance of British Bulldog, I guess this was the first pay-per-view of the WWF shown live over in England. So... I don't know. I guess this was a huge get. Uh, Kayantai runs down again, gets beaten up again. Number 13 is Edge, drawing a huge reaction. King says that he wants to see footage of that little Chinese guy, Takamishinoku, being thrown out by the big <laughs> boss man one more time. Yeah, I made a know of that. <laughs> and he keeps calling them the little Chinese guys, and JR keeps saying they're Japanese. He's like, ah, whatever. Something else that wouldn't fly in 2020 or 2021, I guess. Uh, yeah, so for those that don't remember this, it's a famous clip. Bossman chucks uh, both of them out, and he throws Taka over the top rope. Taka front flips and busts his face on the padding outside the ring, and he gets he has to get rushed to the hospital. I think he has a pretty damn bad concussion. Medical so. facility. They actually... I. I was shocked at that one, too. They kept repeatedly saying hospital. I'm like, wow, that's you'd never hear the word hospital on WWE TV now. Uh, Bob Backlund enters number 14 to thunderous cheers. Uh, that one blew me away. <laughs> like, I forgot he was in this. I was like, wow, what the hell? Conrad gave uh, Bruce Pritchard crap about that one. He's like, why the hell in 2000 did you have Bob Backlund in the Royal Rumble? He's like. Well, we were in MSG. He's a big legend there. He's like, yeah. And he was running for office in Connecticut. Remember, he even said that when he after he gets eliminated. Jim Ross like, Connecticut registered voters. We need looking for you. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Rackland. Uh, it takes six men to eliminate Rikishi. Number 15 is the future Le Champion, Chris Jericho, who eliminates Bob Backlund. Of all the oh, stuff, no. you choose that. What? He Good is Lord. Le Champion. Lord. Uh, Crash Holly, who is allegedly well over 400 pounds, enters at number 16, and literally, get, and he literally gets paddled by Edge over the top rope like he's a misbehaved child. Good lord. Uh, China is number 17, and suplexes Jericho out of the match before Bossman eliminates China. Farouk enters 18. The Mean Street Posse rushed the ring. I completely forgot about them. And they beat Farouk up before leaving, allowing the boss man to toss Farouk. That's what I said. He's not paid by the hour. Uh, Road Dog is number 19. The crowd starts chanting that they want Rocky. You can tell who the star of this match is. Al Snow, without any gimmicks whatsoever, is number 20. And, 21 is, yeah, and number 21 is Val Venus. Uh, Funaki runs in again because Taka's gone. And he gets chased off. 
we find out that Taka has been taken to the hospital at this point after being knocked out. Uh, Prince Albert is number 22. <laughs> Real name. <laughs> As Edge gets eliminated, uh, King starts talking about his piercings. and <laughs> Because, of course. Yeah. Uh, number 23 is Hardcore Holly. Number 24 is finally The Rock, and the crowd is on their feet. The Rock eliminates Big Boss Man right away. Billy Gunn is number 25. The Rock eliminates Crash Holly. Well, there's another one of my picks gone. <laughs> number 26 is The Big Show, who eliminates Test and Gangrel right away. Bradshaw is number 27, and the Mean Street Posse jump him, as, or they try to jump him, but he beats the ever-loving hell out of them and tosses them. And then the Outlaws team up to uh, toss Bradshaw. Farouk then comes out, and the Acolytes both beat the crap out of the Mean Street Posse for the backstage area. Because, you know, if there's one feud in 2000 I was aching to see, it was the Acolytes and Mean Street Posse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Number 28 is Kane, who enters with Tori. No, not Wilson. Uh, Kane tosses Val Venus right away. Godfather is number 29 as Kane eliminates Prince Albert. Funaki runs in again as Kane refers to, or excuse me, as King refers to him as the little Chinese guy yet again. Uh, and Al Snow tosses him, of all people. Finally, number 30 is X-Pac. Look, I love X-Pac, but that's not exactly a, holy crap, number 30 is X-Pac. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Hardcore Holly, then the Godfather, and finally Al Snow all get tossed. Billy Gunn. Tosses the road dog and Kane eliminates Billy Gunn before the outlaws pull Kane outside and beat him up. The Rock tosses X-Pac sky high over the top rope, but the referee didn't see this. He's being distracted by the brawl outside the ring. So X-Pac just gets right. He spin kicks Kane out of the ring before Big Show press slams X-Pac outside. Man, he was just uh, (laughs) there to take bumps, I guess. Uh, Big Show attempts to power slam the Rock out of the ring, but the Rock finally he holds on to the top rope and he dumps the Big Show out over the top rope for the win. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this two and three four stars. I actually thought it was damn entertaining. I gave it three. What say you? I gave it four. I love this one. It was really good rumble. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the Rock grabs a mic after the match, to tell the crowd how he's going to WrestleMania if we smell what he's cooking. But the Big Show runs in, cuts him off, and he beats him down. Then he tosses him over the top rope. So the Big Show, again, gets his heat back after uh, after a big loss. The Rock is going to WrestleMania. Was, was the thing afterwards that they said that the Rock's feet actually touched outside when he eliminated Big Show? So from my knowledge, he was, it wasn't supposed to happen, but his feet hit, so they ran with it. But his feet huh. did touch first. I don't know. They had to have had something in mind for it with the, you know, and they just used that as an out because I don't know. Like they, with the way they shot it, they purposely couldn't see his feet. So they could have just said, nah, he, yeah, he eliminated him. He's good. Clean elimination. I wouldn't have minded seeing Triple H versus The Rock one on one to close out WrestleMania. I thought that would have been awesome, but. But it should have been. Yeah, that Mick Foley and Big Show filling out that match. This was like, why? They just wanted to get more McMahons in there, I guess. I mean, all McMahons. Yeah, right. 
But all right, well, that's the end of the show. Uh, we're going to take one final break. When we come back, it's the final ratings of the show. We'll tell you what's coming up in the next week. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. This isn't just basketball. This is the NBA playoffs. And with William Hill Sportsbook, you can dial up the playoff intensity from the palm of your hand. Just download the William Hill mobile app and your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free using promo code RADIORF. New users only. Must be 21 years or older and present in Virginia to bet. Paid in free bets. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. William Hill Sportsbook. Proud partner of the NBA. Let's make it interesting. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back from break. We're in the final ratings here. Uh, IMDb gave this show 8.1 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 8.22 out of 10. I gave it 8.5 out of 10. What say you? I gave it a B minus. Yeah, I mean, the card, like top to bottom, isn't a banger, but there were enough good things on the show where I thought it was a I mean, especially for a Royal Rumble card, it was really good, I thought. Yeah. I mean, definitely in my top five favorite top, Rumbles. Top five. <laughs> Say five. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this one. I enjoyed uh, the one we covered two weeks ago, which was 1990. Go back to the archives, check that out, and see the really big A lot difference. of you already have. Yeah, we got really good numbers on that one. Thank you for that one. Uh, keep pumping it up. You know, go back. It's golden era. See how things change from the golden era, 1990s Rumble, to the uh, Attitude Era, 2000 Rumble. And we're not done. This Friday, actually, I'm going to have Jacob Grandi on the podcast for the bonus show of the month. Uh, we're going to throw you a freaking bonus here. It's WWF Royal Rumble 1988. It's the very first Royal Rumble. I'm not expecting this one to hold up <laughs> to, yeah, to right. 1990 or 2000, but it's a fun look back. Oh, I mean, that's, uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. It's a fun look, bro. Bro. Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, fun looks, uh, we're closing out the month, January 27th. We're going to go to the land of extreme. We're covering ECW's Guilty as Charged 1999. Does anybody so, else see the irony of a show for ECW being called Guilty as Charged? <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, that's I feel like it's a metaphor I'm, for their whole ECW lifespan. Good grief. I'm yeah, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> but this was a uh, I mean, this was not a terrible main event to the show. I would say uh, we got Taz and Shane Douglas for the ECW title in a match that went like 22 minutes. Just incredible. And Tommy Dreamer in a stairway to hell match. Uh, Van Dam versus Lance Storm. I mean, I'm actually looking forward to watching this. Yeah, it was a good so. show. And Sid Vicious is oddly enough on this show. 
I mean, not for long, but he's on the show. Uh, not to spoil anything, but oh no. Well, and then we get well, and we get a Tajiri versus Super Crazy match. That was a huge feud for them. But we, I never we see did. that enough. I'm surprised Nunzio wasn't in it or Guido. Well, he's in the he's actually in the opening match. Him and Tracy Smothers. They're taking on your favorite team and mine, the Chair Swinging Freaks. Didn't we just bury them? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney, who actually had a lot in common, more than just chairs. Uh, but yeah, the Dudley Boys are taking on New Jack and Spike Dudley. Oh boy! Oh, if you want to bet, we're just gonna brawl through the crowd. There'll be a lot of people bleeding. Music is gonna play throughout the whole match. I don't just... take sure. I don't take sure things. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty safe bet. But all right, that's uh, that's coming up on the show. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. We've got some more 2000 coming your way in the future. Stay tuned. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.